It's good to see you this morning. Everybody happy? Good. Well, seven of you are. That is great, man. I, th I thought you'd be a little chipper after that extra hour sleep. Did you get it? Or did you squander it, huh? And stay up too late. Yeah, goodness gracious. Hey, isn't it good to be able to laugh at yourself? Or you're unsure, huh? Uh, I'm going to have to tell you this story because I told it in the first service and they're going to tell you and get it wrong, so let me give it to you right. Uh, I had the privilege on, on uh, Friday and Saturday to be in the great state of Texas. Oh, it was wonderful. Let me tell you. Down around uh, English, Texas, right outside of English. You don't know where English is, but uh, it's down close to Paris, Texas. And uh, we were out in the middle of nowhere at a uh, Southwest Regional Cowboy Action Championship shoot. Uh, about 460 plus cowboy and cowgirls were there. Uh, shooting for the title of the Southwest Regional Champion, and uh, man, it was exciting. I was there, geared up, ready to go. Even though I haven't shot in a couple of months with my bad thumb thumb, I was there. Man, I was I was chomping at the bits, ready to go. Uh, we have 10 stages to shoot, all right? And we started on stage number nine on the first day, and uh, man, you think it through, you know exactly what you're going to do, plan out your every step, because you're shooting against the clock, and you want the fastest time you can get without any misses on the target, all right? And so I'd, I had it all planned in my mind. You start, you start at a window with your rifle in hand. Uh, you shoot it ten times. You put it down. You pick up your shotgun, go around a corner, down a hallway to the end, and it's almost as far as I am to that door, and you shoot your shotgun six times. That's all the stage was. And so I was planning it out. I was thinking about it, how I was going to transition, how I was going to move. And I had a thought in my head. Will, I said, you, you used to be really fast. I mean, back when I was a kid, they called me Willie Bill White Shoe Harmon because I wore white cleats on the football field and there was a blur and all you could see were those white cleats running. So I was, I mean, I was fast when I was a kid and I was thinking, okay, here is a way I'm going to pick up time against the rest of the shooters. When I, when I finish and put my rifle down, pick up my shotgun, I am going to go lickety split fast as lightning down that hallway and shoot down my, and I'm going to gain time right there. So I had it planned. I knew exactly where it started. Beep! Fired that rifle. It sounded like a machine gun. I'm shooting a lever-action rifle, but I'm shooting it so... And I'm exaggerating here a little bit, all right? But I'm shooting it so fast. It was I was blowing myself away how fast I was. I put it down, got my shotgun. I peeled out, took off. This is sand and gravel. I'm running as, at warp speed. All right? I'm going as fast as I can. And when I went around that corner, something happened. And I really, you know, I, for, for just a few seconds, I, I, I think I lost consciousness. I don't know. I, there are different accounts of what happened at that point. Russ was there. He witnessed it. Russ said, I fell face forward. And he said, his words were, I believe, you landed like a ton of bricks. Just boom, like that. I don't, other accounts said that when I hit face forward, I slid for about five feet. Don, I was holding up my shotgun because you taught me better. I was holding my shotgun as I was sliding because you can't drop your gun. I, I don't know. I lost consciousness, but I do know this. As soon as I fell down, as quick as I went down, I was up again. 
I do believe in guardian angels because mine pulled me up, ran down to the end, finished my shotgun. I was done with the stage and, you know, I did it okay. But here's the point. Here's the, here's the spiritual lesson. Sometimes in life, when you grow up and get older, your mind will tell you you can do certain things. that your body says, no, you can't, all right? So there it is, lesson learned, all right? Understand that, all right. Here we are, John chapter 3. I'm doing a series called One-on-One -on -One with Jesus. This is the third sermon. We're in John chapter... Hey, I don't know about you, but I've never been more ready for November 4th than I am this year. Huh? I... I don't know what it is. I guess politicians have more money than they know what to do with. And they're spending them on the ads. I, these, these political ads have me sitting in my chair when I do watch TV, which is not often, with the remote control in hand. You know? To pause, to mute. Because here's what they're doing. One, one guy will, one politician will come on and he will tell me how sorry and how no good for nothing his opponent is. And I'm listening, and it's gotta be true because it's on TV, right? You know? And I'm thinking, well, that dirty dog, I would never vote for him. And then the very next commercial is his opponent telling me how sorry he is. Who in the world do we believe? You know, it, it made me wonder that the other night when I was watching these ads, what would happen if every politician was required to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus? That would be pretty cool. What would even be greater than that is if we had a transcript of their conversation. Huh? To see what they said to Jesus and what Jesus said back to them. Well, believe it or not, we have such a transcript because a politician went to Jesus one night and ask him some questions. It's found in John's Gospel, chapter 3. Today we're going to read verses 1 through 8, and we're really going to concentrate on verses 4 through 8. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We have learned over the last couple of weeks that Nicodemus was a powerful man in ancient Israel. He was a brilliant teacher renowned across the nation. He was wealthy. He was influential, a member of the Israeli Senate. And he was also religious, a Pharisee among the Hebrews. But he had a problem. There was a huge hole in his soul that he could not fill up. And so one night he came to Jesus for answers. Rabbi, he said, everyone knows you are a great teacher from God because we've all seen your miracles. And I love what Jesus did. Jesus ignored the compliment and skipped the small talk. Jesus saw the heart of the matter and so he spoke to the heart of the matter which was Nicodemus' heart. He said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that phrase born again refers to being born into God's family and into eternal life by the act of receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Notice Nicodemus' reply in verse 4. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I guess our question is, what, what really was Nicodemus asking? And I think there are two possibilities. First, perhaps he didn't understand that Jesus was using figurative language here. Maybe he really thought that Jesus was telling him that he had to be literally and physically born again from his mother's womb. And since that kind of rebirth is impossible, Nicodemus protested, how can a man be born when he is old? But there is a second possibility. Nicodemus himself was a great teacher. In fact, in verse 10, Jesus said, you are the teacher of Israel. So we know that Nicodemus understood figurative language. So I think that perhaps he realized Christ was speaking figuratively. So when he asked the question, how can a man be born when he is old? I think he meant by that something like this. Can an old man really change? I mean, can an old fellow like me get a fresh start in life? Is it really possible to start all over again? Can I really, even at my age, be reborn? Or is that as impossible as entering my mother's womb for rebirth? Now, I don't know about you, but that's a question I can kind of relate to. You tell me how many of us grow discouraged when someone we love with all of our heart doesn't change. Perhaps they are wayward. Perhaps we have a loved one, a child, a spouse that is enslaved to bad habits. Perhaps that friend or loved one is living in sin and they are hard and cold and lost. I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're asking, you know, I really wonder if it, can my husband really change? Can my spouse really change? Maybe you're a parent here today and you're wondering, is there any hope for my son or my daughter? Is there any hope for my marriage? 
that's falling apart. Or, or maybe you're here today and you're discouraged with yourself. You're unhappy with the way you live life or you're unhappy with the attitudes that you've been harboring. You don't like yourself. And you're saying, you know, I know I need to change, but but I'm too old to change. Yeah, really, those are pretty sad words, aren't they? I can almost hear Nicodemus saying, Jesus, I, I know I need a new life. I, I know I need a new way. I need a new start, but... Here I am. I'm a respected, established old man. I'm set in my ways. Am I too old to change? And Jesus answered his question by telling him three really important things that he needed to hear about the new birth. And so guess what? I'm going to repeat those three really important things that you need to hear today about the new birth. First of all, Jesus said, listen, Nicodemus, it is possible. It is possible for a human being, even an old man, to change. Look at verse 5. He said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That, that is a key phrase, born of water and the Spirit. What did Jesus mean when He said that? You must be born of water and the Spirit. Well, there are a lot of ways to interpret it, but I believe what he means is this. You've got to be born twice. You must be born physically, but then again, you must be born spiritually. First of all, you must be born of water. That is, you must be born out of the broken water of your mother's womb. And that's why you're here today, because you've had that birth, right? Secondly, though, you must be born spiritually out of the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. The next verse reinforces this interpretation. Look at verse 6. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, if you were born the first time, which it looks like you all have been, all right, you might want to pinch your neighbor to make sure they're still alive, all right? If you have been born the first time, you can be born again. It is possible. I mean, I have people tell me all the time, you just don't know the life I've lived. You don't know the trouble I've had. You don't know all I've done. There is no way God would ever forgive me for all the mistakes I've made. I hear that all the time. And you know what? It's just not true. That's a lie from the devil. If you have been born the first time, I don't care what the condition of your life is today. It could be a mess. It could be a wreck. You could be living a nightmare. But you know what? It is possible for all of that to change. Some of you know the name Bill Wilson. Let me tell you about Bill Wilson. He was the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. He was first introduced to alcohol during World War I. After the war, he returned home and began working on Wall Street. But he couldn't quit drinking, and his addiction began to ruin his life. He made, literally, he made millions of dollars on Wall Street, but he woke up every morning with a hangover, and he staggered home every night in a drunken haze. 
His friends tried to help him, but guess what Bill did? He started avoiding them. He incessantly fought with his wife, and he became an unwelcome nuisance in the brokerage houses. When the Depression came, he lost everything. He lost all of his money, he lost his home, and he lost what was left of his self-respect. On several occasions, opportunities came to him, and he had several chances to recover his fortune. But you know what? On every occasion, he went on a bender, and the chances vanished. Again and again, he determined he was going to stop drinking. He saw what it was doing to his life. He knew he was ruining his life, but he couldn't quit. His family entered him into treatment programs. His friends had him committed to asylums. But no sooner was he released than he hit the bottle again. Bill was a broken, drunken, dying man. Alcohol had ruined his life. But then one day, a friend knocked on his door. He looked Bill in the eye and he said, Bill, I'm sober. I found the answer. I've got religion. <laughs> and for hours they talked. They talked about God. They talked about the Bible. They talked about the power of the gospel. Bill Wilson had always known about Jesus Christ and thought of Jesus as a great man and an excellent moral teacher. But now he realized that Christ was much more than that. And in a miraculous way, Bill was born again. He humbled himself before God, offered himself as a living sacrifice, and he never, ever, for the rest of his life, took another drink. He was changed. He became the co-founder of AA, an organization based on the belief that no alcoholic has the power within himself to stop his drinking. He is suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So, here's Nicodemus. And he's asking Jesus the question, really? I mean, really? Can an old man really be changed? Can an old man who is set in his ways really be born again? And Jesus said, yes, it is possible. Just as you were born physically, you can be born spiritually. You can be born of water and you can be born of the Spirit. And church, that's the good news today. It doesn't matter where you are in life or what you've done with your life. It is possible to start all over again. <laughs> Boy, that is good news. It's possible. The second thing Jesus told him is this. It is essential. Look at verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. I want you to notice the word must because Jesus used it two times in this nocturnal conversation with Nicodemus. There was something Nicodemus must do and there was something Jesus must do. 
And if you think this sermon has been good to this point, get on the edge of your pew because it's about to get better. This is good right here. Here's what Nicodemus must do. Nicodemus must be born again. And I can flip that around to you and say, you know what, here's what you must do. You must be born again. But in order for that to happen, there was something Jesus must do. What is that? Look at verses 14 and 15. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must, there it is, must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, I'm preaching through John chapter 3, so in a couple of weeks, I'm going to come to this verse, all right? I don't want to steal all the thunder, and I know we'll forget most of this in two weeks' time anyway, but I've got to tell you a little bit about what Jesus is talking about here. The reference point he's making is from Numbers chapter 21 in the Old Testament. Here we've got the children of Israel. God has miraculously delivered them from Egyptian slavery. They've been out in the wilderness wandering around because they didn't have enough faith to acquire the land God had already promised to them. So for 40 years, they're out in the wilderness. And I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't all funny games. I mean, how would you like to live 40 years in the desert? I mean, it's not, not, not real good living in tents. Uh, the only thing they had to eat was manna, manna every day, manna in the morning, manna at noon, manna at night. I mean... I mean, you know, come on, ladies, how many ways can you fix manna? Huh? Manna burgers, manna salad, banana bread. I don't know. There it was. That's all they had is manna. And, you know, here, here's a group of people that had seen the redemption and the salvation of God, that God had led them, delivered them, been good to them. But you know what? It was never good enough. And they were constantly griping and complaining and grumbling. And they had a bitter heart towards Moses and, a, and towards God. And we say, my God is a gracious God. He's a good God. He's long-suffering toward us. Thank goodness He is. But God's only going to take so much of it. And they grumbled and complained one too many times. And so in Numbers chapter 21, it says that God sent, and here's the word, Fiery serpents among them. I don't like snakes. Did, did any of y'all? How many of y'all have a pet snake? Don't raise your hand even if you do because I, I don't want to know about it. I don't like snakes. But you know what? I can tell you right now, I really don't like fiery snakes. Those, the, the, let me tell you, those are the worst kind. Fiery serpents. Because here's the deal. God sent these fiery serpents among the children of Israel, and if you, if you were bitten by one of these vipers, it was, you're dead. 100% death rate. Worse than Ebola. If you got bit by a fiery serpent, let me tell you, I'm serious, you were dead. You died right there. Now, it didn't take these Israelites very long to figure out they were in a whole lot of trouble right here. Because the, the serpents were everywhere. They could hear them. And so they cried out to God, God, we're sorry. Forgive us, please help us. So God spoke to Moses and said, okay, Moses, here's the deal. I want you to make a serpent, just like the ones that are biting and killing the people. Make a serpent out of bronze. Put it on a pole 
stick that pole in the ground right in the center of the camp. And anyone who is bitten by a serpent, all they have to do to live is to look up at that pole. And if they look, they'll live. Okay, you go back. Put yourself in their place. If you got bit by one of those snakes and you knew all your neighbors who had been bitten had died, if you got bit, what would you do? Come on, wake up. What would you do? Man, to live, you got to look. Here's the analogy Jesus is making. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, if the people look, they live. Even as Moses lifted up the serpent, even so must the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, even those must the Son of Man be lifted up so that you can enter into the kingdom of God. What's he he's talking about the cross. He said, I'm going to have to go to the cross. On the cross, I am going to shed my blood. And His blood covers a multitude of sin. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that your sins can be forgiven. And if you will look at the cross and believe, you will live. It, that's the only way. I mean, that's the only way you can be saved. For, for the Israelites, the only way they could be saved in the wilderness was to look God's way. For us today, the only way we can be saved is to look. Peter said it like this, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me. So the only way to find eternal life and to make it into heaven is through spiritual rebirth. You must be born again. And those of us who have been born again are saved from hellfire, which the Bible calls the second death. Now understand this. If you die without Jesus Christ, you will die, you will die twice, but that second death you never escape from. You're sent to hell where there are flames and anguish and you'll burn for eternity. You will wish that you could escape from it, but you cannot escape from it. It is called the second death. Now, let me put it this way so you get it and understand. Those who are only born one time will die two times. Those who are born twice, the physical birth and the spiritual birth, they're only going to die one time. This physical body is going to give out, it's going to play out, it's going to die. But you know what? The real me, the real Will Harmon gets to live forever in heaven because I've trusted Jesus. But if I didn't make that decision to trust Him, if I had never been born again, you know what I have to look forward to? <laughs> two deaths. And let me tell you, the second is a whole lot worse than the first. So get the point. Jesus said, Nicodemus, it is possible to be reborn, and it is essential. It's essential. The third thing he says is this. It's miraculous. It is miraculous. Okay, the birth of a baby is a miracle, is it not? Is it not? I ran into a friend of mine down in Texas the other day, and man, he was—he was—he's a—he's the kind of guy that I've really never seen him smile before. 
he, he's actually a police officer and he deals with a whole lot of stuff and problems and you know he's 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 been there and he, he's done it and so he's not just a real joyful happy person but he was grinning from ear to ear and i said two gun what what's what's up with you man he said ah, i got a grandbaby at home born last week name is levi that I already bought him some little chats. <laughs> he was grinning from ear to ear. He was so happy. Aren't little babies awesome? I mean, really, aren't they? You know what? What blows my mind? They're a miracle. I mean, you think about this. You got a little baby, I don't know, six, seven, eight pounds, you know, freshly born, brand new, and everything is just miniature. I mean, they've got everything that you have, all the features, facial features, fingers, toes, but they're just, they're tiny. They're miniature. It's a, it's, and then you, 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 then you realize that inside of them they have all the organs that you have, but they're just tight. They're a miniature. Gail, that's amazing to me. The, the birth of a baby is awesome. What a gift. What a miracle. But let me tell you something. The spiritual rebirth of a mature individual, anyone after the age of accountability, that is a greater miracle. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 8. He put it this way. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you really can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Greek words for wind and Spirit are the very same. So this is kind of a natural illustration that Jesus is using. I believe Jesus was talking to Nicodemus out of doors, perhaps on, the, on a rooftop, Patio, because that's everybody had a house with a flat roof, and in the evenings they would they would go up there to catch a breeze, and maybe a breeze suddenly tugged at their robes and refreshed their faces from the hot, humid night. Jesus waved his hand as if to point to the wind, and he said, "You know, the currents of the air are mysterious. That puff of wind that just went by, Nicodemus, where did it come from? Where's it going?" It's very mysterious, yet it is miraculous because it's an act of God. And so it is with everyone who is born again. Let me, if you are born again, there is a mystery and a miracle about you that changes you from the inside out and the rest of the world doesn't get it. They don't understand it. The world isn't sure where they're coming from and it has absolutely no idea where that person is going because that person is a new creation. They are born along by the Spirit of God. It's amazing. So can an old man or even a young man or a teenager really change? The answer is yes. But it is mysterious and it is miraculous. It is something only God can do. Yes, it is possible to change. Yes, it is essential that you change. And yes, it is miraculous when you do change. And the good news is, it can happen to you. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how long you've lived. I don't care how hardened you are. You can be born again. Several years ago, the famous Hollywood cowboy Stuart Hamblin died. 
He was a popular radio personality during the 1940s, but let me tell you, he was wild and he was wicked. His wife Susie was a Christian and she loved her husband, and so she prayed night and day that he would be saved. She finally persuaded him to attend the famous 1949 Crusade for Christ that literally catapulted Billy Graham into nationwide prominence. Stuart didn't want to go. I mean, he grumbled about it, but finally went with her. Sitting in that service, he hated every part of it. He hated the singing. He hated the music. He hated Graham's preaching. He felt like that young whippersnapper was preaching right at him. And he didn't like it. He finally got up out of his seat. Listen to this. He got up out of his seat. He shook his fist at the evangelist and he walked out of the room. He went from bar to bar trying to find relief. Finally at 2 a.m. he woke up his wife Susie and he cried out for help. She really didn't know what to do with him so she took him to the hotel that Billy Graham was staying at and at 4 o'clock in the morning... Stuart was banging on Billy Graham's motel room door demanding that the evangelist come out and pray for him. Billy came to the door and said, Nope, I'm not going to do it. Not until you are ready to give up your evil ways and go all the way with God. <laughs> well, they ended up talking for hours. And finally, Stuart Hamblin was born again. His old friends couldn't believe the change in him. A few months later, he ran into his friend, John Wayne. Tell me, Stuart, is it really true? Have you given up your wicked ways? Yes, said Hamblin. It's no secret what God can do. John Wayne suggested that he write a song about it, and so he did. It is the only song that I know of in our hymn book that was inspired by the Duke himself. <laughs> it's hymn 561. Listen to the chorus. It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Can God really change somebody like you? Is there hope for your husband or your wife? Is there hope for your son or your daughter? Can a person really be born again even when they're old? The answer is yes. And it's happened over and over again. You see, my friends, God is in the business of changing lives and He specializes in hopeless cases. He's helped so many. No one is beyond His grace and His power. And what He's done for others, today, He can do for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that right now, as we open up our hearts, Your Holy Spirit would get a hold of us. Lord.